Hello, welcome once again to K Have You Seen, the podcast with hot takes on cold viewings. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah I like, I like that it. One. I like okay, it. cool, cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, my name's Kyle. My name's Kari. And uh, welcome to a very special mini episode uh, uh, of K Have You Seen, where we're going to be talking about the 2019 Oscar nominations the good, the bad, the things we like, the things we hate. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, just a quick little notice, we have not been releasing regular episodes for a while, but we will be back soon, so stay tuned for that. We're still here. Yep, just getting a little bit of content, though. You know, yeah. you can't, can't go without us for too long, so we figured we'd throw you a mini-sode. You can't rush art. So, so true. Um, but yeah, so let's get right into it, I suppose. Um, so the 2019 Oscars, it seems like, has been... A little bit of a fiasco from the jump. I mean, it seems like there's nothing going right already. By the time you're hearing this, uh, this this should be coming out just a couple of days ahead of the Oscar telecast. But man, it just seems like all year long, it's just been destined for ignominy at this point. Well, when we first started talking about doing an Oscars episode, like I think we both were, we started thinking about specific movies, but then started thinking more about the Oscars in general. And this is like. My feeling in general has been the Oscars have been going off the rails for years now. Like this is since at least Oscars so white, it's we are just at I'm probably not even the bottom quite honestly of a downward trajectory in yeah. my opinion. I'm glad you brought up the Oscars so white thing cuz we're definitely going to talk about that cuz I think that yeah. has played a direct role in a lot of uh, what we're seeing with the Oscars this year. Oh, absolutely. Um, I think that it's like, you know, the and, and I think it plays into a, a theme that we're seeing with the Oscars recently, and especially this year, of like the Oscars trying to give the people what they want, but really exposing the fact that they don't understand what the people actually want. Right. There's no more authenticity in it than there was when they weren't nominating diverse people. Exactly. Like it, yeah. Yeah. Um, and yeah, before we really get into the movies themselves, I mean, there's a lot that's been going on with this year's Oscars that... Uh, it, it seems almost destined to be like this year's Super Bowl in the sense of like as a show, yeah. you know, being something that is kind of blah and people forget about it immediately. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, obviously, I think one of the biggest things about it that was uh, a, a big deal was uh, when Kevin Hart was announced as the, the host. Right. And then people found some tweets and stuff like that that were not 2019 appropriate. And uh, he dropped out. And I don't, I didn't realize this until I looked up like, I was wondering who's hosting now. Nobody. There's not a host. There is no host. I heard that, and I haven't looked into it enough to really know like what the heck they're planning to do. That it's going to be basically. It sounds like what the all the different nomination segments Mm -hmm. are, like Mm -hmm. the award segments themselves. But that will be the whole show. It's going to be a variety show of hosts. Yeah, exactly. So the the presenters are also going to be the hosts, Mm -hmm. which is. It's different. I mean, and this is the first time since 1989 that that's happened, which I didn't realize that had ever happened before. I thought there yeah. had always been a host. Right. And, I mean, uh, I I definitely went through a period where, like, I loved watching the Oscars. I mean, it's always, I feel similarly honest, honestly to the Oscars as I do to the Super Bowl, where it's like, it's a great chance to get with people, to watch a fun yeah. event, to get really into some kind of once-a-year event but I don't and care sometimes, all that much And about historically, it. sometimes it's been great. Sometimes it's been not so great. Sometimes yeah. it's been a real bore. I, I cannot, it just seems, it seems like a sign of the times to me that like the Oscars and the Super Bowl this year, but I mean, Oscars haven't happened yet, so who knows? Mm-hmm. But it kind of seems like these two giant televised events are 
destined to be duds and what does that say about like what you know how much attention not just how much people care to watch these things but how much attention the people planning and organizing these telecasts are actually putting into giving the people a good show right well i think i think going back to the oscar so white there i think we've reached a point where like something like this is so afraid of being offensive that it doesn't do anything like yeah. it's taken the the pc culture thing and instead of taking it as a chance to enter a conversation they're taking it as like the chance to retreat so that nobody mm -hmm. has anything bad to say about them which it's, maybe for the oscars like maybe your place is not in controversial conversation but also like well it's a like stance, you know yeah, someone it's like you know the kid who falls off the bike and then is scared to ride the bike again mm -hmm. or worse yet in this case perhaps the kid who saw somebody fall off a bike and now never wants to ride their bike again right well i think it's fair to say the Oscars fell off their bike, but mm -hmm. you are literally, like, I, I think with how kind of stripped down and bland it's becoming, it's it's revealing how, like, I, I, the critique of the Oscars has kind of always been, like, what is this? Like, mm -hmm. a, a pageant for yeah. people who are already rich and famous? Yes. Like, cool. Like, what, what are we really handing out here? Yeah. These people have everything anyway. Like, we've handed them money, we've handed them right. fame, now we're going to give them a little gold statue. And, and when you make it this bland and stripped down, that's all you have left. Like, it's mm -hmm. so clearly just that. There's not even the the glimmer of artistry or of entertainment and anymore. It, and it's really like a question of, like, is it intended to be a marketing thing? Is it intended mm -hmm. to legitimately recognize artistic achievement? Is it, it it's, it's got to be one or the other, and it's almost never both. Like, mm. it can be both, but it is almost never both. And I think that, like, really these days, I think for since its inception, mm -hmm. uh, the Oscars have been in that kind of identity crisis, but I think that it's like, this is one of those years where it's really reaching, or one of those periods, like over multiple years, where it's really reaching um, fever pitch, mm -hmm. and they're really scrambling to like figure out, like, it's weird that an institution that's been around for 91 years is having an identity crisis. <sighs> I mean, it's just, I feel like it just occupies this really weird place in the culture that, yeah, I mean, I don't think this is the end of the Oscars. I don't think no, things not, like this no. ever die. So I think somehow they will find their way back into being relevant and mm -hmm. entertaining and interesting. Yeah. But like, this is not the year. This no. is the year that they're going to tuck their tail between their legs and say like, no, we're not problematic. We're PC. Look at all these great movies that are yeah. all like signaling that we get it. Yeah, it's true. And again, we will come back to that because I think that this is really plays out in the Best Picture nominations. Mm. Um, but uh, yeah, and... It, to be, you know, it's, it's almost not even fair because you look at some of the, even in recent history, some of the Oscar shows alone, mm -hmm. nothing will ever top the year that Hugh Jackman hosted in 2009 when they had the opening musical number where they had famous movie sets built out of trash because everyone was poor. Oh, Do you remember gosh, that? That yes. was the best Oscar show ever. It's, it was amazing. Yeah. There have been some really good hosts and some really good shows. And yeah, like, it can be so entertaining. I, especially for me, it's basically... I am your target audience. I, I will watch this like yeah. weird slap together musical where I just get to see famous people like make weird cameos. Yeah. Like, this is a recipe for something that I would binge, but for sure, for sure. They're taking all the fun away. Yeah, that's true. But we'll see. Like I said, you know, we may we may have to do a recap and say we were wrong for I mean, we'll never do an episode where we say we were wrong. That's never. ridiculous. That's insane. Yeah. Um, but uh, I mean there were a couple other things that like happened over the last several months. Um, like the idea uh, back in the summertime when they floated the idea of having a best popular film category, which immediately earned the nickname 
the Black Panther Award, uh. um, which, look at that, Black Panther made the Best Picture nominations yeah. as well, which uh, we'll get into that shortly. Um, also, um, they at one point were only scheduling two of the five origi Best Original Song nominees to be performed at the ceremony, which was uh. weird. Like, cutting three of those songs, which is part of the it's thing like the that people want to watch. It's like the best part of the show, yeah. Yeah. One of them. Um, and then most recently, there was the big deal about the... Um, the commercial break presentations where they were going to present the uh, right. certain awards during, like not broadcast the speeches or the live presentations mm -hmm. of think, you know, small categories like cinematography and acting right. or, or, or editing rather. That left a bad taste in my mouth too. Like those are, uh, yeah, those are purely like, well, it's all the director, right? Kind of. Yeah. That's a that's that decision, and it's like, and, well, okay, who are it, you for then? Exactly, and it's like the Academy basically making the decision that people don't care about the artists that yeah. are the art like and again as many smarter people than myself have, have raised the point like there are other categories as well that they were in, that fell into this like best live action short film and best makeup and hairstyling which are also very important categories i don't want to mm -hmm. cut anybody short in this and but, wonderful to watch those like montages course, are yeah. the best but the cinematography and the editing in particular as many luminaries have pointed out are like the two the two elements that are completely unique to the motion picture art form that don't have any correlation to any other form of art. And so to like cut those out is like a fundamental misunderstanding of what filmmaking involves. Right, yeah, so, that is an excellent point. And I think like, yeah, it's, it's who's making these decisions and who are they for? Exactly, yeah. Um, and I don't think they know who they're for. I think they're just taking a stab in the dark as to what people, people want to mm -hmm. see. So anyway, so that's, don't want to nag on this too much, but I uh, just want to kind of talk a little bit about some of the ridiculous stuff that's happening surrounding the show. Um, so let's jump into some of these categories. I kind of wanted to go from the bottom of the list Ooh. up. Um, you might be working off a different list than I am, but um, in a different order. But like visual effects, I think is mm -hmm. like one that like should be really entertaining, but it seems like they all, it's hard to pick you know, and I should preface by the way that we neither of us have seen all of the movies oh, that no, we're yeah. Not. So we're really only gonna be talking about the movies that we think are gonna be, or that we have seen, and mm -hmm. the ones that we think are are, are the best. Yeah, and um, you can listen to plenty of podcasts about oh, the sure. Oscars predictions. We're just gonna yell out the things that we yeah, uh, notice. Exactly, um, but with visual effects, okay. So I saw Avengers: Infinity War, Ready Player One, and Solo: Star mm -hmm. Wars Story. I wasn't blown away by any of them, to be completely honest with you. They all kind of run together. Yeah, especially after seeing like 10 million Avengers movies mm -hmm. and 5 million Star Wars movies. Yeah. Definitely, I saw both of those. Um, Ready Player One shocked me because I did not realize that came out in 2018. It feels <laughs> like that movie's been out for about five yeah. years. Well, it came out, came out around the same time as Black Panther, I think. Really? Around the same time, huh. which was February. I, it was a, that was a year ago, yeah. That's one of those movies that is in my life because everyone decides to watch it on a plane, so I've seen <laughs> it over like 12 different strangers' shoulders. All right, we get at it. You parts. fly a lot. Okay. <laughs> I do, and I never watch Ready Player One when I choose to fly. <laughs> I've seen all of it without audio. I can mm -hmm. put it all together. Sure. But I, I, yeah. would, I would actually give the edge to Ready Player One because they did a lot of stuff that we've seen a thousand times before, but they really, like, pretty seamlessly integrated so many different, like, familiar images mm -hmm. um, because they've got a whole sequence that takes place in the movie The Shining mm. and they replicate it flawlessly and seamlessly and they integrate their own characters into the film in a way that I've never seen before. Wow. Um, okay, I'm, I've never seen that part yeah. on someone's shoulder. That's really intriguing. Yeah. 
I, I mean, yeah, we've done the avatar concept a million times yes. where it's like, here's me. Now I'm my avatar. Right. But, and, and capital A avatar <laughs> yes. also. Um, but I, it does seem like that was a really interesting integration and a really like well fleshed out world and mm -hmm. concept of like, this is a game. So I'm, I'm interested in that. Uh, I mean, yeah. Avengers, yeah, Solo. I had huge problems with Solo oh, as a movie. Same. And I don't. I honestly, I felt like the the visual effects maybe were one of the worst parts because it took Star Wars into like this very cartoony yeah. land for me. Like the one of my least favorite parts of that movie was the kind of bad guy woman character at the beginning, who's like the kind giant of the slum slug lord thing. What the hell was that? Yeah, and that it was, was so out mm -hmm. of place, I felt like, in the Star Wars universe, which is, like, Jabba the Hutt. And, like, mm -hmm. all these... I mean, not to get into the whole, like, George Lucas ruined the Star Wars yeah. with the... Whatever. But, I yeah, to create a cartoony character that's going to be this, like, scary villain. Mm -hmm. That Yeah, I, yeah. I would ding it on visual effects hardcore sure. for that. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, again, and the other two, which I didn't see, were First Man and Christopher Robin, which I, I don't know. Those might be, one of those might be, like, a real I'm, winner. I'm really intrigued by Christopher Robin. Oh, I guess because they had the animated, got, like, yeah, characters. Exactly. that Chris, Yeah, okay. Yeah. Right. Um, but I, I still think Ready Player One, just because of, like, all the different styles it had to integrate into one single product, it was, like, mm -hmm. almost, like, Roger Rabbit level of, like, mm -hmm. bringing different, like, seamless integration of animation and reality. And so mm -hmm. I was really impressed by that. That's but, cool. Um, Let's move on. Uh, costume design. Yeah. Um, so the three that I saw were Ballad of Buster Scruggs, Black Panther, and The Favorite. Oh, I saw Ballad, Black Panther, Mary Poppins Returns. Oh, okay. Um, I gotta give the edge of Black Panther. I think that like if this one doesn't win Best Costume Design, it's like the people giving out these awards are blind. Yeah, that it's got a lead above every a lead above everyone else. I think a Ballad of Buster Scruggs. That seemed like pretty classic Western yeah. garb to me. Yeah, and, and that's like the thing, because typically of these five, four of them are period pieces. Right. And Which, so, I mean, always, I think, have some kind of presence. No like, doubt. have a major I mean, pre presence it, in makeup and costume. It but. takes a lot of attention to detail and research and all that kind of stuff. But I think that what sets Black Panther apart is that, um, and this runs throughout every aspect of the movie, and part of the reason why I found it so fascinating is that it does an amazing job of basically creating... Uh, in Afrofuturist world, which is like a subcategory of science fiction that you really don't see very often. Yeah. And it's, it take, uh, they definitely researched a lot into mm -hmm. like these different like pan-African designs um, and design elements and created something that is, you know, completely out of the imagination but com totally rooted in reality. And I think yeah. that's fantastic. Yeah, I think that's the best possible aspiration you can have for this category is like to take something that has roots and precedent mm -hmm. and then create something really creative and interesting out of it. And yeah, I would totally agree with Black Panther. Mary Poppins, I'm going to have a hard time honestly giving anything to Mary Poppins because I think the whole thing was like, let's take everything that was perfect about the old movie and let's do it in a way. Yeah. Let's do that. And so yeah, costume design, probably one of the best parts of the movie. They did a beautiful job with that. Mm -hmm. Actually, visual effects. There's a really cool, if you've seen the original, there's a whole segment where they go into the chalk painting. Sure. They do basically that. And um, I have a crinkly shirt, so 
anyway, they do basically <laughs> that, but you can tell that they're integrating even more types of animation within mm -hmm. um, within that sequence that you know is something that they couldn't have done back then. These are all technologies that have developed between when the Julie Andrews Mary Poppins came out and now the 2018 Mary Poppins. Um, so that I almost would have I would have preferred to see Mary Poppins in visual effects, but costume design nice. Anything good about Mary Poppins was good because other Mary Poppins did it first. Sure, makes sense. Um, hair and makeup, I didn't see any of these, so did you happen to? I didn't to... either. It's, eh, whatever. Yeah, whatever. I All was right. kind of sad that only three were nominated, though. It seems <laughs> like these are the ones I would love to see because this yeah. is like you can see a creative at work. Totally, yeah. Um, but I think that that's part of the symptom of like being in the um, you know the era that we're in, where like a lot of the heavy lifting in those that used to be done in those categories is done in visual effects these days. Where like you know Thanos, for example, in the Avengers movie, it's an incredible piece of work, but it's all digital makeup. Right. Yeah. So that's a good point. I'm, I'm sure like the over time hair and makeup, especially recently, has been kind of co-opted by visual yeah, effects. Yeah. Totally. Um, original song. Okay. So. This, I only saw two of the movies that have nominations. So, um, Ballad of Buster Scruggs was nominated for When a Cowboy Trades His Wings for Spurs, mm -hmm. which was a hilarious moment. I don't know if it's an Oscar worthy song. Yeah. Um, Spurs for Wings, but. Spurs for Wings. Yes. Yeah. It is a great moment. It was, I had the moment of like, wait, is this a song that exists already? This sounds <laughs> like, okay, but. It was fine. It was fine. Um, I'm sure A Star is Born. I That's one that's been high on my list for a long time and mm -hmm. haven't gotten around to see it. Um, and I want to see all the previous iterations of A Star is Born also mm -hmm. on my list. But I have a feeling that's going to be a, a hard edge for that one. I think, yeah, I think the Star is Born song, Shallow, is probably going to be the uh, the front runner for that one. Although I, I also think that, like, you know, Kendrick Lamar did a great job with the Black Panther soundtrack. And I think that All the Stars has a fighting chance. I don't think it's oh, going yeah. to win, but I think mm -hmm. that it has a good chance of winning. Yeah, I, this might be the category where they're like, yes, we're not going to pick Black Panther. They're going <laughs> to, somebody else is going to win this one. Because, yeah, go ahead, sorry. Um, yeah, that's basically it. I think that, um, mm. and then Mary Poppins again. I had no problem with the Mary Poppins music. I think, I, I'm going to hate on Mary Poppins probably a lot in this <laughs> episode, but I enjoyed the movie. I was happy to be back in that world. I thought it was a wonderful iteration, but I thought it fell really far short of, mm -hmm. you know, creating its own magic and not just being like, I oh, remember all this great stuff. We're going to do it too, but with BMX bikes. Um, <laughs> and so, yeah, the songs were one of my biggest problems with that movie because the original were so beautiful and so diverse in, in the range of kind of tones of the songs. And they all are so, you know, there are so many memorable songs from that movie. And there are no memorable songs from Mary Poppins from Mark Turns. You talk about BMX bikes as though that was not a huge plot point in the original Mary Poppins. I distinctly <laughs> remember That's Julie my Andrews. problem. We can't do BMX bikes in both. We gotta pick one. <laughs> no, that was, it was a little ridiculous. Um, which brings us up to original score. Um, and the two that I saw for this one were Black Klansman and Black Panther. Um, and even though Kendrick Lamar has his name associated with the soundtrack, the actual score uh, Ludwig Göransson, which seems like the whitest name in the world to score a movie all about, um, again, Afrofuturism and black culture. Mm -hmm. um, but I still think that by name alone, I, I, I did think it was a really good, I thought it was a good score. I think that that one has an edge. This one, so I saw Black Panther and Mary Poppins Returns. Um, I have a lot of trouble hearing score. Mm. I don't remember it. Although Black Panther, I heard, I remember the score because I heard it all through a theater wall, all the way through 
the quiet place. Right, yeah, you told me about this. So it is actually kind of memorable for me. And Mary Poppins Returns actually had a lot of um, kind of reprises, riffs off of songs from the old movie. Mm -hmm, so I loved mm -hmm. that, and I thought that was a really nice way to bring that old movie into the new one. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I in general forget all the music that I'm not supposed to be listening to. I can't I right, don't yeah. hear it. Well, and I think that's both good. That can be both good and bad. I mean, if you think about the score to Star Wars, and even not the main fanfare. It's got mm -hmm. very. If you heard it, you would recognize like, oh, that's from Star Wars, right? Or yeah. Indiana Jones, like John Williams music, or like Hans Zimmer to a certain extent. But yeah, a lot of times, like they they really do just fade into the background more than they probably. Should? Could? Yeah. I don't know. It's hard to say. I wonder, too, not to get too bad off on this tangent, but John Williams, like, the way those movies, they have moments with those mm. particular themes, but I also wonder if a lot of those songs stick in mm -hmm. my head because I've heard them outside of the yeah. movie so many times. If you, think, say, if, if you really think about it, there's only a handful of movies where the score is front and center mm -hmm. and you really, really, it really sticks in your mind. I mean, the ones that are there are great, mm -hmm. but it's a really tough mountain to climb and a lot of composers just don't. Um, a lot of times they don't want to. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of times it really is just to amplify, you know, and, and enhance like what you're seeing on the screen. Sometimes it is a key component of like the overall effect. But yeah, um, I, I, I'm going to give this one a Black Panther, even though like again, I have not seen three out of these five. Yeah. Um, I wonder yeah. that Bohemian Rhapsody wasn't. I guess it, it, original song. I guess it is disqualified from. So disqualified for original song or disqualified for score too, because none Possibly. of it, none of the music was composed for the movie. Well, oh, okay. There was I music guess composed the for the movie, key. but yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, now, if I, I would have loved it if like Brian May. I don't know. Did Brian? I wonder if Brian May actually composed the score for that movie as well as like that? using the the Queen songs. That would have been really cool. Yeah, we'll have to look into that. That would did, be awesome. Yeah, because they did the score for uh, Flash Gordon back in the 80s. It would have been great <laughs> if they did this one. Um, so production design. Now this is a really fun one and one that I've grown to appreciate as I've mm -hmm. gotten older. Now that I understand more about like what this actually is, oh, yeah. it's one of my favorite categories. Yeah, do a highline. What have you learned? So basically, you know, the production design is is just like everything you see in your sh in in the frame, everything everything you see on the screen that is not an actor or mm -hmm. being worn by an actor or carried by an actor, that is production design. So even if it's out in nature, like mm -hmm. designing like what is going to be behind and around your actors, all of that was picked by someone, mm -hmm. and that is an art form. Whether you're compo whether you're curating it or whether you're finding it, like that is all, and, and choosing it, that is all a, a very meticulous art form, and it is mind-blowing when you look at some of the some of the movies. Yeah, um, like you said, it's a super nuance. like, yeah, I think it's something I've also learned more about and appreciated more, because it's, they build the world, like the yeah. whole tone of the movie, the whole vibe is in what's in the background, and you never yeah. see that unless you're paying attention to it. So they mm -hmm. really, they set this tone in a very subtle way. Mm-hmm. Now, the two movies in this category that I saw were Black Panther and The Favorite. And as much as I love Black Panther and the look and feel of that, I definitely give it the edge for costume. I think for production design, I gotta go with The Favorite. Because mm. it is, you know, kind of an inverse of the of the uh, costume design category for me. Because I think that, like, by creating this world of early 18th century uh, English uh, palaces and, and uh, the surrounding landscapes, mm -hmm is so difficult to do in a way that is both accurate and convincing. Mm -hmm. um, 
and they nailed it. It was absolutely amazing. I was mm -hmm. blown away by by the look of this world. So okay. of these, that is the one that I would go with as as having the edge. Gotcha. The only other one that I've seen was Mary Poppins. Mary Poppins, yeah. Would not give it to Wouldn't give it to that one. Wow, that's crazy. I, I thought the original choices, well, I guess this isn't, uh, in some ways, Mary Poppins got too cartoony, and I think that was mm. part of the production design's issue. They, I think some of the choices were just to make things silly, and mm -hmm. I don't know. I yeah. I love the original Mary Poppins, so I don't think Don't we all? Yeah. yeah it's, it's a real classic. It's like a, yeah, I, I say that too much, bar. but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they're all real classics. It is an yeah. undisputed classic. Let me Absolutely. put it that way. Absolutely. And I think there's like a very specific tone and magic to it. And they missed it. And mm. part of the way they missed it was making the whole thing feel a little bit like a cartoon, which mm -hmm. the old one never did. The old right. one was very much grounded in reality yeah. with these like magical interludes that were always still grounded. And I think that was the key to the magic feeling magic was because the world felt so grimy and real. Right. Yeah, totally. totally. Uh, yeah. So yeah, of the production design nominees, I'm going with the favorite. Now, I didn't see Roma. This is the first time we're seeing Roma, which mm -hmm. is the Netflix uh, release movie that, to my embarrassment, I didn't watch. Uh, I have no excuse to have not watched it. It is in my queue. Yeah. I've heard nothing but amazing things about it, but like I just haven't gotten around Honestly, to it. Honestly, for as much as I'm hating on the Oscars, there's like three or four movies on most of these lists that I'm like, they're on my list, they're on my yeah, list. I wanted yeah, yeah, to see yeah. the favorite so bad. I got so many, I got served personally so many ads. They totally oh, picked me out as the person who should be watching this movie, and you I missed it. You would really like it, I think. I would really like um, it. And I'll get to why once we get up to the screenwriting category. Mm -hmm. But now this is, I'm gonna throw in a, a wild card here for production design. Not nominated, but I think should have at least been nominated is Bad Times of the El Royale, which is a movie mm. that I've been evangelizing for months ever yeah. since I saw it. But the main reason is like, it all takes place, well not all, there are several flashbacks in it, but the majority of the movie takes place in a very stylized, motel mm -hmm. in I guess 1969 um, but it's a hotel it's a, it's a motel in like Lake Tahoe area um, that is like hasn't been like updated since like the early 60s like mm. when it was like a major like hot spot but like mm -hmm. in has kind of suffered from a little bit of deterioration and there's more to it than that that I don't want to give away to anyone who hasn't seen it but like the design like the way that this world of like the late 60s um, both in the hotel and in like the the flashbacks and stuff it pops off the screen with such like vibrance and vitality in a way that like I rarely see in any kind of a movie, and mm -hmm. yet it still feels real. Mm -hmm. Like it, you, I think people tend to see the past as black and white in, to a certain extent, mm -hmm. and this really just like throws so much color at you, oh, um, awesome. and it's it's amazing. It's amazing. I think it's great. Plus, like there's a lot of sequences that happen in the rain, and apparently they shot the whole thing on a soundstage, which is crazy, or they, oh. not, not on a soundstage, on a controlled set, so like they made the rain like just like absolutely dumping buckets of rain wow, artificially. That's cool. It's amazing, and it, 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 it all came together beautifully. I'm shocked that it wasn't nominated for mm. this. Um, sound mixing, I mean, how do you say that one movie's sound was mixed better than another? That's, uh, the sound ones are always, like sound editing, I mean editing in general, sound mixing, anything really in the post process is so hard because you don't know what they're working with. Yeah. Like there's a lot of places where things can go differently. And so it, did it happen in the edit? Did it happen in the mix? Did it happen in mm -hmm. the shoot? Like, yeah. It's like, if, it, as long as it's done competently, mm -hmm. you have to really kind of go way out of your way and do some really crazy stuff with the sound to really stand out. And I don't think any of the movies this, that, I, that I saw this year did and 
I don't know, maybe, again, perhaps First Man or Roma or, or something like that had some, like, really mind-blowing sound mixing, but mm-hmm. I, eh, I don't know. And again, for, and I'm not, neither of us are really, like, lay people in this discussion, but sound mixing and sound editing, I, I, I fail to understand where they draw the distinction for the Academy. Yeah, I, yeah, that's, yeah, this is a little bit of a blind spot for us, but it's, it's tricky to know without seeing where it came from. I mean, the, it doesn't help that of the five nominees for each, four of them overlap. Yeah, the yeah, only, across the categories, yeah. The only one that was nominated for sound mixing and not editing was uh, Roma, and, or I'm sorry, uh, Star is Born, and mm-hmm. the only one that was nominated for editing and not mixing was A Quiet Place. I wonder that more um, documentaries don't get nominated for any of these categories because that's when I can see the only movies I can think of that I have seen that I've been like oh that's good editing or like Mm -hmm. that's good sound mixing Mm -hmm. it's you can tell you can almost tell what they're working with because it's supposed to be so natural and just cut as it was Mm -hmm. and you can use it to tell the story in a way that you know you know you can't plan that Mm -hmm. necessarily in pre-production um I saw the Gilbert Gottfried um Mm -hmm. yeah documentary last year and what they did with editing at certain moments to just convey especially because Gilbert Gottfried was so you know so crass in his humor and even talking (laughs) about his family and everything the way they conveyed that but then also showed kind of what he was like in his private life and Mm. how quiet and reserved and how much his family really was his or is he's not dead um (laughs) is his whole world even though like his stage persona is so different it was they did some really beautiful and interesting things with that, and it's much easier to see because, you know, you're you're working with yep. things that you can't plan. The editing, it's hard to tell. Like, did you storyboard that? And that's mm-hmm. yeah, you know. it's true. It's but. true. Um, film editing. Um, I I gotta be honest, I wasn't really blown away by any editing that I saw this year. I mean, there's good editing, but I didn't see any great editing necessarily. Now, the only two that I saw that were nominated were Black Klansman, which probably has the edge. I think that has the most ostentatious editing mm-hmm. of any movie I saw this year. And The Favorite, which mm-hmm. didn't really have any like mind-blowing edit. I loved that movie, but I did not think that the editing was a major part in it. Mm-hmm. Um, but the other three nominees, who knows? I mean, didn't see Bohemian Rhapsody, Green Book, or Vice. Um, I saw Bohemian Rhapsody. I mean, they do some interesting things with the editing. Honestly, actually, yeah, I think I would, I would support this one because they did some great things. Say what you will about Bohemian Rhapsody, but... The best parts of that movie were there were moments where they just let the performance play out. They held on a performance for a long time and seeing Rami Malek, who's amazing, be Freddie Mercury, who was also amazing, and feeling like you got to watch at least part of the wonder that was their um, Band-Aid performance. Mm-hmm. Like, that's really cool. And L- that was a really good... Huh? Live Aid? Live Aid. Band-Aid. Whatever. Band-Aid, Farm Aid. <laughs> all of them. All sure. the AIDS. Um, oh. Oh, but, no. <laughs> sorry. Um, that, I thought they made some really good choices with that. And then the way, like, they showed their creative process, there was some fun in that editing, okay. too. So I could, amongst all of these choices, most of which I haven't seen. <laughs> yeah. yeah. There. If you're not going to stand for one, I'm going to stand for Bohemian mm-hmm. Rhapsody. Yeah, Black Man's been had its moments. I didn't, like I said, I didn't really... St- to see anything that like totally blew me away it just got more I think it got more creative than most like movies at that level tend to get mm-hmm. so for that reason I do like to reward risk takers 
Um, and I think the risks that were, and it wasn't even like risks, like these weren't even like things that were like, oh my God, I can't believe they did that. It was just like, oh cool, you don't really see people do that that often. Mm -hmm. um, and I, 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 would go for, I would go for that definitely. But again, I didn't see Bohemian Rhapsody, so like I, I, perhaps a toss up between those two. I don't well, think it's gonna win, but I think it's a good contender. Sure, definitely. Um, foreign language film, didn't watch a single one of these. I'm curious, it's interesting because the foreign language film and like documentary, it seems like those are almost to exclude those films from the main winners. Although. But Roma's nominated yeah. for both. And I've never seen that happen before. Yeah, it just, it seems like a weird, like it, it clearly, the fact that we have these categories at all almost seems like, well, they're not gonna win the main awards, yeah. so let's give them their own category. But then to have it in both is mm -hmm. interesting. Yeah, I think yeah. that like, it, it would be crazy if Roma won Best Foreign Language Film and Best Picture. Mm -hmm. um, that'd be cool. But I've also heard really good things about Cold War, which I haven't mm -hmm. watched, but I've heard it's really good. Um, so I would I would kind of give the edge to Cold War just because I know that's how the Academy works. It's like they're not going to give this like two awards for Best Picture the same year to the same movie. That's They're right. not going to do that. Mm -hmm. um, live action and documentary shorts, I did not watch any of these. I don't yeah. know if you did. I, I always enjoy these segments because I feel like I get to watch a lot of those movies mm -hmm. because they're so short anyway. But I do... They're never that hard to find. No, so they're not. I'm actually going to try to make it a point to watch mm -hmm. all of these. But I'm a little anyway. surprised that like some of the smaller like locally owned theaters don't play like blocks of these around Oscar time. Like mm -hmm. that seems like a missed opportunity because I think, especially in a big city like we live in Atlanta, and like right. I'm sure there's plenty of people who would love to actually see these in a theater setting. Like right. I think that'd be a really cool idea. We should email the plaza, tweet at them. Absolutely. Um, and then documentary feature. I didn't see any of these. However, I did hear that Free Solo is mind bending. Oh, what's that one about? Free Solo is about this guy who's trying to climb uh, oh. uh, uh, El Capitan Jesus. in Yosemite with no ropes or harnesses. I can't watch people Free Solo. It just stresses me out. It looks crazy. And, and, but part of the reason why I would give that one the edge is not just because it was, you know, really riveting to the subject matter, but like the extent that they had to go to figure out how they're going to shoot this mm -hmm. without obstructing or impacting the guy's attempt to climb. Oh. They had to like really think outside the box. It was a National Geographic production oh, and they okay. had to really think outside the box for how they were going to capture these shots. And if anybody can do that, the National Geographic crew is the best on the planet, yeah. no, no, bar none. Is that part of the movie or is there, like I want to see that movie. I want to see how There's, do you plan a shoot around yeah. the guy climbing a mountain with no ropes. I don't know. I don't know, but that would be, yeah. Um, so I'm dying to see that one. I just haven't seen it yet. Um, and unfortunately, other than RBG, I don't really know anything about the others on this list. Um, so let's move on to... Minding the Gap oh, is yeah. the only one I would I would also call out is like, I didn't watch it, I'm but I am have heard amazing things and it sounds, it's definitely one that I'm going to try to watch. And what's that one weeks. about? That one's about, um, I think a community, I want to say in California, it's like three guys that the filmmaker actually... It's his friend group that he follows for several years and they're part of the skate community and they're growing up and he follows them and also kind of uses oh, their yeah, skateboarding as yeah. part of the cinematography, which sounds really cool. But That's the one where it's all girls, which I think is relevant to the the story, I believe, right? Is that the one? Is it? I think I so. I didn't think so. I thought it was a group of boys, but okay, maybe I, I be, totally I, missed that I might be thinking of something point. total. I might be thinking of a completely different movie. 
Yeah, I think it's boys. Okay, never mind then. But Strike I think that. they're like wives and all that stuff start coming into place. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay. Oh, I, I'm, th I'm thinking of like a narrative movie then. Never mind. No. My mistake. Um, okay, original. Oh, sorry. Cinematography. Almost, I almost skipped cinematography. That, I'm, wow. I'm as bad as the Academy. Wow. Um, okay, so the only one that's nominated that I saw was The Favorite. And mm -hmm. I think that the cinematography was really strange in an interesting way, which I tend to give an edge to. Um, but um, Roma and A Star, I, I don't know, A Star is Born, like I, I didn't see the whole thing. I've seen like snippets of it mm. and it does not look like it was shot in any kind of way that would impress me. Yeah, that is, that's not what I've heard about it at least. It doesn't seem like that's kind of the type of movie it was, but no. Yeah, but the favorite, um, which I would love to talk about on this show at some point, mm -hmm. um, but if, in the in case we we probably won't, um, um, but I I, I want to see it too bad. I it can't does wait. it does really cool things with fisheye lenses, which you don't normally see in like major releases, mm. like fisheye lenses in like motion, like panning with a fisheye mm. lens in this otherwise very like attention to detail, historically accurate uh, period piece. Mm -hmm. um, Interesting. So it's it is it's it's really unusual and very striking and obvious to anyone who knows nothing about camera lenses that this is a distorted shot, mm -hmm. but it doesn't really call as much attention to itself in the context of the movie. It just looks really weird and allows you to see more of the space that it's in, mm -hmm. that the, the scene is taking place in. So I thought that was a really cool decision. I don't know if I would hang an entire Oscar on that, but I think that it gives it a certain edge in that category. Yeah, that's, I mean, the only other thing I'm gonna point out, not having seen these, most of these is, um, that there's one of the foreign films is also nominated for this, which yes. is cool. I maybe maybe they do, but it seems like well, actually two of the foreign films. But mm -hmm. I'm almost not counting Roma because yeah, it's been talked about in the the best picture. But it's interesting that they're getting cross mm -hmm. you know cross category recognition. Definitely, and with Roma, I think that part of it is that it was shot in black and white. Which mm -hmm. I think that you know that the artsy <laughs> side of the Oscar the Oscars committee really enjoys. Um, I don't know what else it does though. Like again, I feel like I'm really underprepared for this because I had every opportunity to watch the stupid movie and I never I did. Roma's like high on my list too, and it's on Netflix. So yeah. that's some of the things I've heard about it in other critical discussions. It does sound like a lot of the framing and the actual the camera work mm -hmm, is a huge mm -hmm. part of the story. Which yeah. Um, which brings me to my not nominated, but should have been nominated, uh, again, Bad Times of the El Royale. Mm. One of the best things about the movie is that it uses the camera in really interesting, cool ways. Like, there's a lot of really great, like, sweeping tracking shots, like Steadicam, mm. Glidecam shots, and some of them that go on for an incredibly long time. Like, there's a handful, one in particular, when you see the movie, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about, a long, slow, tension building, uh, unbroken long take that is incredible, especially I listened to a, a podcast with the director Drew Goddard when he was talking about setting that up. Mm -hmm. He said that like he was just totally freaked out by setting up that shot because it also involved a reflection. And so trying to maneuver the camera behind the talent without getting the reflection of the camera Whoa. without digitally removing it was, and also like the court, it involved multiple people in multiple locations who can't see each other and have no cues other than timing. Wow. It was the best camp, like, the best long take like tracking shot that I've ever, that I've, not that I've ever seen, but that I've seen in a very long time. Like those wow. are few and far between. So I'm really shocked. I don't know why that movie skirted under the radar so much, both commercially and with these nominations, but. Yeah, that does seem like one that would have gotten a lot of, at least critical non-recognition, mm -hmm. um, even if it's not, yeah. you know, Mainstream popular. My theory is that it, because it was like pseudo independent and it was very low budget, 
that they did not like they didn't even running, apply. Yeah, running for yeah, running for Oscar uh, consideration. It's expensive. It's yeah. a huge chunk of your marketing budget, and this movie had no marketing budget practically. That's so interesting because so. it's like a lot of really big names. Definitely, yeah. So. Um, yeah, moving on to original screenplay. Uh, again, the only one that I saw was the favorite, and mm. that consequently is the one that I'm going to go with as the uh, front runner. Mm, um, partly because it one of the things about the movie that you'll notice immediately, so it's not a spoiler, is that the dialogue, even though everything about it visually screams 1705, mm-hmm. the dialogue is this very strange hybrid of like upper crust English and very modern, like, sentence structure and diction and mm-hmm. stuff like that among all the characters. And it's really weird, but it works beautifully. And I think that, like, the idea to inject that into the dialogue, it was a stroke of genius. Gotcha. So it's a very intentional choice. Absolutely. The thing, I feel like sometimes with period pieces, I mean, always with period pieces, the voices are so, like, it's such a choice because there's always, like, you know, do we make them talk the way they did? Can the audience even understand them because we don't talk like that anymore and then especially if there's like it's a period piece in another country everyone just tends to be British mm-hmm. you're mm-hmm. like hmm that's so weird that right. the French king speaks in an English mm-hmm. British accent all the yeah. time but that's yeah I think when that's done well it's done really well and then it's easy to do it poorly for sure for sure um, did you see any of those other ones first reformed green nope. book Roma Vice alright um, I would say, and I, not uh, Bad Times at the El Royale, but I, I think it's a crime that Sorry to Bother You was not in mm. the running for Best Original Screenplay. Yeah. That was the wildest movie I have seen in years, and it all boils down to the screenplay. It was one of the nuttiest storylines, some of the most sharpest dialogue, and the craziest characters all mushed together, and it was beautiful. It was mm-hmm. definitely not for everybody. It gets extremely weird. But it was weird in a way that all makes sense in the context of the story. Mm-hmm. And it, it is just, an, it, it, this is one of the reasons why I say the Oscars are bullshit, is because a movie like this should never be left out of the conversation for Oscars. Yeah, it is strange. That's strange, especially, I don't know. Yeah, it just, I, they appreciated art. But anyway. <laughs> um, but adapted screenplay. Yeah. Um, which of these did you see? I saw Ballad of Buster Scruggs, and I think that's about it, but okay. I've heard a lot of talk about all of them. Yeah, and I saw Black Klansman, um, which was, I think, probably will win, just mm. because it is a really crazy true story. It's based, you know, the book that it's based on um, is different from the from the screenplay, but mm-hmm. I think that the way it takes liberties with the story do enhance the dramatic, the dramatic effect. I think that it's like, it doesn't feel cheap, Mm-hmm. Um, some of the things are a little bit overdone, um, but some of them that are, even some of the stuff that is overdone is really effective. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really what you have to kind of gauge it on when you're talking about, like, when you take liberties with uh, a true story, like, how well does it serve the story? Right. Versus how much are you just completely inventing for, uh, you know, how much, how much are you inventing, how much are you enhancing? Yeah, yeah. I, I think that was the, the problem with Bohemian Rhapsody that mm-hmm. is kind of shocking that it made it to best yes. picture because the screenplay totally cri- crippled it. But um, Ballad of Buster, Buster Shrugs, I actually didn't realize was adapted. I think it's because one or two of the segments is based on uh, pre-existing material. Mm-hmm. So like the gotcha. whole thing was not, but like I think one or two, I can't, I don't know which ones, mm-hmm. but I read that uh, somewhere. Um, 
But yeah, I don't know. Like it, that that movie, I really enjoyed, but it was very uneven, which I think is kind of the risk you run when you make an anthology movie with mm-hmm. very different tones. Yeah. Um, like it's it's not gonna. They're not all gonna be winners. I thought one was great. I thought it was one was good. It was really good. And mm-hmm. I thought when it was bad, it was just kind of dull. Yeah. Um, nonsensical, but. Um, yeah, it was. I don't know. Sometimes, especially with Coen brother movies, it's kind of like, all right, well, it's a Coen brother movie. Yeah. Like, there's a lot of hype around it not even uh, hype isn't the word I'm looking for but there's there's a lot of kind of fanfare to it being a Cohen movie so you expect to have all these layers of meaning which I think it had but also kind of coasted on mm-hmm. having on being expected to have I, so. I appreciated that it was a mix of like all the different things the Cohen brothers are appreciated for mm-hmm. like it had the surrealist kind of humor it also had that kind of like representationalist uh capital F film stuff mm-hmm. like cinema um, <laughs> but it was it, it was a, I thought it was a decent balance even though some it, not all the stories landed with me I thought that it was a good balance of like it was almost like a Coen Brothers greatest hits mm-hmm. um, which I kind of yep. liked not yeah, for everybody but fair. I kind of liked it so we're at about 45 minutes yeah yeah we'll blow through these I think um, animated feature let's skip up to animated feature um, so I'm going to Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse personally I figure you're going with that the only one I had seen was Incredibles 2 which was great and I think was a really good worth waiting for yeah, a sequel solid. to it's a really, really good. good movie and it took a you know Incredibles 1 was a good animated movie but Incredibles 2 kind of had a, an interesting thing to say which was cool I thought it yeah. handled pretty well I've also heard thing, great things about Ralph ba- Breaks the Internet which I didn't mm. the first Wreck-It Ralph was like no, eh, it's fine I don't care mm-hmm. um but I've heard really great things, even mm-hmm. though they have way over-marketed to Sure, me. sure. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, you were definitely their target, I think. I know, and they missed um, me. I'm not going. Um, but yeah, Into the Spider-Verse, it, I, I'm giving it the edge for sure because it has done things that I have with animation that I have never seen done before. Yeah. It is, it, it is like eyeball candy in mm-hmm. the purest sense, and it is just a delight. The story is great, the voice acting is great, and the, the visuals are utterly stunning mm-hmm. so it's it's to, it's total package the writing the acting the animation it's all there i have a feeling that one is it's got to be it's a no-brainer um best director i think it's a crime ryan coogler was not nominated for this yeah honestly for all the awards elsewhere that mm-hmm. um black panther is getting to not be included in director yeah i mean of- he is not only supremely talented like directed Black Panther for those who don't know also directed Creed which is amazing yeah as a person who does not seek out sports movies it was incredible this is a guy who can spin gold out of the like out of out of the straw that is um overly done overdone franchises yeah like you can give this guy anything and he'll make an amazing like an exceptional movie out of it Mm -hmm. um and not only that but he is apparently the reason why most of the principal cast agreed to do the movie mm. sight unseen on a like no script would you like to be in black panther ryan clues directing absolutely wow. that yeah um so that's a real bummer and it makes no sense at all um that being said um the two movies i saw were black klansman spike lee's nominated and the favorite with yorgos lanthimos directing um but alfonso Cuaron is also nominated for roma which seems like a pretty likely candidate also yeah i have a feeling roma's gonna do pretty well i agree um, Yorgos Lanthimos, I don't know, I, he's a really weird director. I mean, he's done a few other things that I did not see, like The Lobster and Killing oh, of a yeah. Sacred Deer. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's definitely talented. I don't know that this was his best directed movie necessarily, The Favorite. 
Mm -hmm. um, and Spike Lee for Black Klansman. Uh, I mean, it was definitely his best movie in a long time. And I wouldn't be surprised if the Oscar went to him just because it's like he was he should have won it for Do the Right Thing back in the 80s. But I think this is the kind of thing where like the Academy is going to do that deal where it's like, oh, well, you should have won before, so we're going to give it to you now. Yeah, you have a Oscar now, even if it wasn't yeah. like the Oscar you Which, should have gotten. Not to say that he doesn't deserve it. I mean, Spike Lee is at his best a great director. Mm -hmm. um, I just don't know that this is necessarily the movie where he earns it. Right. Um, but he's probably going to get it. Um <laughs> Supporting actress. Yes. Emma Stone and Rachel Weisz both nominated for the yeah, favorite. Yeah, that is and, cool. And that's a toss-up for me. I don't know which one I thought did a better job. Mm. Interesting. I mean, I think it's great that all three of them are nominated. Obviously, mm -hmm. Olivia Colman got, or is nominated for lead actress because she's which is, the lead. But which is the, great because she's probably the least famous of those three. And right. for her to have the lead, and she did a killer job. Oh, she's. I saw her in Broadchurch originally. Mm -hmm. Like She is incredible. Yeah. But yeah, I think it's cool that all three of them are getting nominations yeah. for that. And, it's a, and for those who don't know, I mean, it is a story basically about like a very peculiar triangle between three women. Um, and so it's like, it, for one thing, it passes the Bechdel test with flying colors. <laughs> um, and it is, and it's really interesting. And the dynamic between the three, I think, hinges on all three of them performing their parts convincingly. And they mm -hmm. all do. Mm -hmm. Like, I think... I think they all three deserve awards for these performances they gave, but you know, for supporting actress, it's really tough. If I had to give the edge, I would probably give it to Rachel Weisz because I think that she had to express more of a range mm. in the film than Emma Stone did. And I think so it's really not a matter of who did their job better. It's really more of like who was asked to do more and delivered. Yeah, okay. You know? Yeah, that's fair. Uh, supporting actor, uh, Adam Driver for Black Klansman is the only one that I saw, but I wasn't really that impressed by him. Oh, okay. I'm an Adam Driver fan, but I can, yeah, not always, not mm -hmm. always on, you know, on everyone's speed. I thought he was um, better hosting Saturday Night Live than he was in Black Klansman, <laughs> which is not to take anything away from him, but that's just my opinion. Fair. Yeah, I didn't see any of these. No, but, but I, I did see the trailer for, I did see the trailer for Vice, and Sam Rockwell does an amazing George W. Bush impression, so <laughs> I there's that. I have heard clips, yeah. Yeah. Um, I, a lot of, like, kind of... People, that guy, people that I'm recognizing, mm -hmm. Sam Elliott, mm -hmm. um, Marshall Ali is incredible, um, and Richard E. Grant. They're all people that I recognize that I feel like don't usually make it to this level of recognition, mm -hmm. so it's an interesting lineup, at least. Yeah, for sure. Um, actress, um, yeah, I, again, only saw Olivia Coleman in The Favorite, but uh, did you see A Star is Born? No, high on my list. Missed okay. it. All right, well, we can move on then. <laughs> um, lead actor. I saw none of these, um, but if I had to give it to somebody on strictly how um, far they went for the role, I would say Christian Bale. Like, mm. unrecognizable as Dick Cheney. Like, he's he's one of those guys who really... He's going to be Daniel Day-Lewis, uh, mm. I think, level by the time oh, okay. his career is over with. Like, I could believe that. Just in the sense that he will go, he will do whatever it takes for a part. Mm. Um I, I saw Bohemian Rhapsody and Rami Malek. Like, I just was, was it incredible. Any, what, was, but was it any better than just like if you went to Vegas and saw a Queen tribute show with a really good frontman? I mean, I it's hard to say because I think Rami Malek is incredibly talented, but that script was trash. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's honestly really hard to say. But I do uh, the performance moments. I think he really evoked Freddie Mercury. That is what I really enjoyed about this movie. And I left the movie enjoying it, which a lot of people okay. didn't. But it was because I felt like I had kind of gotten closer to something that I've always appreciated. Queen mm -hmm. and their music has always been in, like part 
of my general cultural experience. It's always been there. It's always been there, but it's always been like, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what you mean. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I, I felt like I had gotten kind of closer to something that I had always known about and appreciated. Mm -hmm. And I think he did a really good job kind of evoking that person, but he was not given too right, awfully yeah. much to go on. It's a pretty flat story. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Um, and then the big one, best picture. Now, like I mentioned, okay, so you got Black Panther, Black Klansman. Mm -hmm. Obviously, there may, I mean, obviously both of these movies deserve recognition. They're both very good movies. Mm -hmm. But also, in addition to that, I feel like it, this is partially the Academy really trying to like overcorrect from the Oscar so white thing. Oh, I think they're virtual sig virtue signaling for sure. Like, this is like, oh, get it, guy? Like, yeah, yeah, we're with it. We know what movies you guys saw, but like, I don't, some of these movies, just in general on the list, well, also the Green Book in that, like, yeah. or Green Book. Green Book, Green yeah, Book. Green Book. Um, just, and even Roma a little bit, although, mm -hmm. like, Quran has been more, yeah. I think, accoladed than some of, of the course, others. Of course, yeah, but, yeah. Um, I, yeah, I, across the board, not even with those kind of very, like, high-level virtue, like, look at the diversity right, here. Of course. Some of these, it's like, how did they, how did Bohemian Rhapsody make it here? Mm -hmm. Black Kinsman, yeah. not having seen it, but just... As a movie, like what's there that is best picture? Yeah. Like what makes it the best? And I think that's ultimately it. Like with all of these movies here, which by the way, I do like, frankly, I mean, this is not me like taking like a position or anything mm -hmm. like that, but like I really do believe that based on like the way the Academy is behaving right now, that if Sorry to Bother You had had the word black somewhere in the title, it would be on this list. <laughs> Like, I mean, that, it just seems like it's that, it just seems like some of their decision making is that shallow. Mm. Black Panther is great. Mm -hmm. I, I would not be surprised or upset if that won Best Picture. Yeah. But what I'm also saying is that, like, this whole list feels blah. Yeah. It just doesn't, feels very, like, feels like flavorless. Market tested. I, yeah, uh, Black Panther, I mean, I think they are potentially trying to kill two birds with one stone with that mm -hmm. one and be like, see, we get it. Like, action movies can win too. Marvel mm -hmm. movies can win too. Yeah. And also we get and, you, we hear you. But And it's... I think that, like, really, though, with Black Panther as the case, like, I think that, like, if you were going to build a case for Black Panther as best picture, which I would firmly agree with, it merges really good artistry and really good storytelling with the populist flashy formula that we've been seeing in superhero movies for the last almost 20 years. Mm -hmm. And I think that that is something that almost never, as many of these movies that come out, that almost never intersects in that way. And for that reason, because it touches so much of like the zeitgeist and the populist tastes, mm -hmm. as well as the intellectual and artistic uh, uh, achievements of the film, I think that deserves an enormous amount of recognition. Like it yeah. is a huge achievement. Whether they decide to call it the best picture or not, that is probably, I think, the best representation of movies that we have this year. Which, if that's what your criteria for the best picture is, then it should win. Yeah, and I think, I think it's the rest of this list that kind of drags it down. Yes, because you've got Black Panther, Black Klansman, Green Book, which are all, and Roma, which mm -hmm. are all diversity signaling. Yes, you've got The Favorite, which is female diversity mm -hmm. signaling. A Star Is Born, which is all about mental health, and then Vice, which is kind of speaking to that kind of liberal right, yeah. sensibility. Yeah, are, but... you, are you noticing a theme among all these movies that they're mm. all kind of speaking to the liberal elite, perhaps? <laughs> um, it just feels so, like, 
keep watching. We yeah. get it. We're one of you. Exactly. We're yeah. not just money grabbing. And which I know that's part of the conversation right now. So it makes sense that there's a lot of movies about that and a lot of like what the you know artists and thinkers and stuff like that are concerned with. So that, I'm not saying that they're cherry picking these movies because of that, but it does really seem like you said very much like they're making a they're they're they're. They're trying too hard. It's like the Academy's almost trying too hard, and they're not. They're they're grouping in. I don't think that like, I don't think Black Panther is a bad movie and shouldn't be on this list. Far from it. What I think is that it is denigrated a little bit by being grouped in with like Bohemian Rhapsody and Vice, which I don't think are bad movies. I just think that they're not on that level. Yeah, yeah, and that's Bohemian Rhapsody. I left off my tirade, but like, it's a quote unquote queer story, even mm-hmm. though the queer storyline is not. Yeah, it just feels. Yeah, this list feels. A lot of it's it's very less. surface level. If it's like if that's what they're going for, it's very surface level. Yeah, like um, they could have picked these off of a blockbuster shelf and been like, "Yep, yep, this is what the people want. We got mm-hmm. it." But then again, like I we we talked about this very briefly. I'm not sure what else I would put up there instead of these. Like that's the thing. It's like if we're talking about alternates here, which I brought up a couple of times. I don't know what's bad. I don't know what movies are not on this list that are better than Bohemian Rhapsody or are better than Vice. Probably because I didn't see those movies, but like you know, Bad Times of the Air Royale, I loved it. I wouldn't call it best picture material. I don't think it was groundbreaking. Mm-hmm. I just thought it was really good. Yeah. Black Panther, I think, is groundbreaking. I, I the favorite to a certain extent, I think, is somewhat groundbreaking because it does something new. Most of these other ones, Roma, maybe, but like Green Book, just kind of looked like Driving Miss Daisy. <laughs> you know? Yeah. yeah, and I didn't hear great things about it. I yeah, I think I just am losing. I don't. I don't even know what is what is a best picture. What is what mean? is a best what picture? What is it like? What are we going for here? What's the what What do we mean with this? And I think the Oscars needs to do a better job of taking a stance and mm-hmm. being like, "This is what it means. This is what yeah. having an Oscar means." I and agree. They've confused it with everything they've done for the last several years. And I will say this: is that like I don't because I haven't seen all these movies. I don't know that Black Panther is necessarily the best movie of the year. But if it wins, I think that is a very potentially a very good sign of how the people at large, as well as the Academy, can move forward in saying what the best picture is. It should, almost never is, but I think it really should be the intersection of populist, artistic, and intellectual. Mm, Yeah, maybe. I mean, maybe, optimistically, maybe this is the year, this is the year that Oscars is figuring it out. That would be great. from here on out... It will be better. That would be really just, cool. But anyway, so those are our thoughts. So that was our short mini episode yeah. of a brief fifty-five minutes. Mm. Um, we'll uh, I'll uh, see about making that a little bit shorter. But yeah, you might not hear all of our thoughts. <laughs> um, anyway, so yeah, that's uh, the Oscar preview. Um, any final thoughts before we wrap? Um, I have a long list of movies that I need to see Same. from this list. But I think overall there's some real gems in here worth seeing and there's some just sorry Bohemian Rhapsody. Yeah. I enjoyed it, but what? And and in the end, don't let my negative t- negativity turn you off from watching the Oscar show. Like, who knows? We might be surprised and they'd make some really cool decisions and people will say some wild things on stage and that'll be that. I mean, yeah, like that'd be I think awesome. There are many opportunities here for them to do some really cool things with the circumstances, but we'll see. We'll see. All right, well, thanks so much for joining us on our Oscar preview, uh, quote-unquote, mini-episode. As I said at the top of the show, we will be back soon. Mm -hmm. Um, We've got big things in the works that we are trying to wrangle together, so just stay tuned. And uh, 
Until next time, I'm Kyle. I'm Kari. And this is K Have You Seen. See you later. See ya.